1: our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. Connie Zweig has had many roles in her life, including therapist, writer, climate lobbyist, wife, stepmother, grandmother, but she's widely known as a shadow expert, a pioneer in the field of shadow work, an exploration of our unconscious mind outside the light of awareness, a cavern deep in our mind that holds our forbidden feelings, secret wishes, and creative urges. She's the co-author of several books, uh, including meeting the shadow and romancing the shadow, as well as meeting the shadow on the spiritual path. In today's episode, Dr. Zweig will talk about a revolving shadow work over several decades, a continuing effort to make a conscious, creative relationship with the tricky, elusive unconscious, a blind spot that often eludes us no matter where we look. She'll expand on her shadow work in her books, including The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, which extends her work on the shadow into midlife and beyond for those who want to move past denial, fear, and resistance and discover their dreams and opportunities for this stage of life. She says her mission is to redefine age and to help others reimagine it for themselves, just as we reinvented politics, work, relationships, and spirituality from the inside out. So now, folks, it's time to meet Dr. Connie's wife. Connie, welcome to the show. Hi, Ron. It's really a a pleasure to have you. And um, uh, we have a lot to talk about. The books are terrific. Um, We're going to get through as much as we can in in an hour. Uh, But but before we start, I just wanted to... I'm often interested in my guests themselves, as well as the content of their work and their achievements. So I always like to start a little bit with... um, Um, you know, having them uh, do a a quick recap of uh, sort of where they got to where they are today. Uh, That which could take a long time, but, but I know that you've been involved for many years in contemplative practices. So just give us a quick sense of how that, you know, uh, uh, transformed into shadow work.
2: Okay. Um, So when I was 19 at Mm. Berkeley in the late sixties, um, I met a guy I wanted to date, Hmm. and he wouldn't date me unless I was meditating. So I went over to the TM Center for no holy reason but to get to know this guy. Hmm. (laughs) And uh, meditation really changed my world. It taught me how to quiet my mind and deeply relax. And even though that relationship did not continue, my relationship to meditation did. Um, And I got more and more involved in the TM community and became a teacher. And then a few years into it, I started to see concerns about um, kind of group coercion, group think, um, some hypocrisy, some lying to get new meditation techniques, um, Mm. rumors that the teacher was having sex and claiming to be celibate. Mm. So I left and I kind of um, returned to psychology and went into Jungian analysis and began to explore my dreams and get to know my own shadow figures in my dreams. And part of what I discovered was that my early call to spirituality was in part a denial of the shadow. It was kind of a naive, um, everything is light, we're going to become enlightened and save the world. And um, there, was a, there was a denial of a lot of feelings, of a lot of um, developmental steps that I needed to take. And um, so I dove more deeply into Carl Jung's psychology Mm -hmm. and realized that nobody was really writing a lot about the shadow. So I did a collection. The first book, Meeting the Shadow, is an anthology of essays of experts writing about this. And then um, Romancing the Shadow came out after I received my doctorate and developed a method that I called shadow work for how to work with some of the unconscious material that erupts and sabotages us.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So it could erupt in a repeating fight in a relationship, in an addiction, uh, in a depression, in any kind of self-sabotaging behavior, like procrastination, um, and in harmful behavior, like criticizing others, Or hurting others in various ways.
3: Hmm.
2: And so um, Romancing the Shadow came out, and it focused on how to work with this unconscious material in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And then later in my life, um, after 30 years of clinical practice, and teaching this method, I began to think about retirement. And look for material about the unconscious process and that stage of life in my 60s and retirement and illness and caregiving and spirituality at that stage of life, activism and so on. I couldn't find anything, not a single book from the point of view of the shadow mm-hmm. on later life. So said to my husband, oh, my God, I got to write another book. Right, right. So I wrote the inner work of age. Right. And really um kind of mined a lot of interviews um with spiritual teachers and others to try to understand what was happening for people from the inside out. Right. You know, yeah. in this stage of life, it's not yeah. about finances or healthcare issues or workplace issues or any of that. It's about the inner world, the territory right that w- that we really live in as we experience this stage of life
1: right so let me just take a um, pause there and just um uh perhaps you could just talk a little bit more about the shadow itself because i think as you've said and i've read in your in uh, various places um you know yes there's a sense of darkness but it's not necessarily evil it's just that it's what is un- what is in the dark and needs to be brought into the light so could you just uh, talk a little bit more about just explaining the shadow
2: Yeah, there's this kind of mistaken identity around the shadow that it's dark in the sense of negative, Mm -hmm. but it's only negative in relation to the ego because the ego is afraid of it. So when we're kids, all of us get these messages from adults about what's good and what's bad, which behavior brings us approval And which behavior brings us criticism or shame or abandonment? Which feelings bring us love and which feelings bring us punishment? Mm -hmm. And so as our egos develop, all of that positive feedback goes into our egos or our conscious personalities. And we learn how to be polite or kind or academic performers, or athletic performers, whatever is approved of by the adults. And whatever is disapproved of at the same time gets repressed into the shadow. So if it's not expressed in our conscious personality, it gets repressed into the unconscious shadow and it becomes a blind spot. Mm -hmm. And anything at all can be repressed. So it might be anger, it might be sadness, sexuality, but it also might be a talent. Somebody is really artistic as a child, but that's not valued by her family. And so those dreams and talents get buried in the shadow. Mm -hmm. So often a midlife crisis is about those lost or sacrificed dreams or talents re-emerging with some urgency that people want to live out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's, mm-hmm. and, and so there's a lot of potential in, in the shadow. And I think I was reading in, in one, I think it was on in your website, just um, explaining about the shadow. Uh, just I'll just read a quick uh, paragraph from it. Uh, if the shadow forms as, as poet Robert Bly says, when we stuff things into a long bag that we drag behind us, Then shadow work happens when we take something out of the bag and examine it in the light of day. Then slowly, steadily, we face it, turn it around, let it go for a while, revisit it again, and peer deeply into it until we can acknowledge it is a lost part of ourselves and finally honor its message, the gold in the dark side. So I thought that was a really interesting way to put it.
2: Yes, that's perfect. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that... um, you know, uh, it's something that we do ignore, you know, and, and, you know, I've done a lot of work, um, with, uh, helping older people prepare for their later years, not necessarily retirement. Um, but, uh, as I was reading your book, I'm thinking, okay, but this is precisely what you're talking about from the outside in as opposed to the inside out. And most of, I think, you know, the, um, discomfort i guess i think discomfort with aging um is comes from that perspective which is then we look at everything from a point of view of potential decline of shortage of resources not what's happening to us inside ourselves um so that that's why i just thought um the inner work of age was so compelling the shifting from role to soul um and um you know, I, I wanted to, to, to really actually start diving into that. And we could, you know, uh, integrate that with some of your other um, notions about uh, the shadow work and spirituality. But um, uh, what, what uh, so I'm just looking now at, at some of the um, aspects of it. Um, so, um, uh, one of the things you mentioned is that, so aging looks different from the outside in, but aging inside out is the same for all generations. Talk a bit about that.
2: Yeah, so from the outside in, our circumstances can change. So baby boomers have a different circumstance than millennials and Gen Z will have, or the silent generation. But from the inside out, we all have similar feelings about aging, similar dreams, similar desires. And I think this decline narrative that you alluded to um, has been around for so long now, in part because ageism has been so institutionalized. Mm -hmm. So if you grow up as a child with figures in the media that are demeaning older people. Like I remember Archie Bunker and all of the family always criticizing his wife and putting her down. Mm -hmm. If you grow up with messages from your parents, demeaning your grandparents, mocking them or laughing at them. If you grow up with um, a lack of a wise elder as a model for aging consciously who you can internalize, then you grow up with messages that you know. Growing old is just about going downhill,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: all the stereotypes that that comes to mean, all the language stereotypes that's projected on older people, and so that ageist environment in the workplace, if you're forced into retirement, or in the school system, or in the healthcare system. Um, we saw that a lot with COVID and the nursing homes and mm-hmm. people talking about you know, the low value of the lives of the people in the nursing homes. So there's this messaging that's everywhere, that's ageist and we swim in it. And what happens is we internalize that message and we form what I call a shadow character called the inner ageist. Mm. And that inner ageist is a part of us that tends to be unconscious, but that carries our fear and our shame about growing older. I had so many women tell me they disliked what was happening to their bodies, their wrinkles, their weight. Men telling me, you know, who am I if I'm not a provider? If I can't earn a lot of money, then what's my value? Um, And women feel that way now, too, because women have all had careers these days. So there's a sense of this part of us, the inner ageist, that keeps us from Mm self-acceptance and from really thriving now. And instead gives us a kind of um, self-loathing and for some people even shame about perhaps slowing down, becoming less productive, maybe becoming more dependent, maybe becoming more slow in, in, a, in pace. And so these qualities that are judged in the culture, right? Because in our culture, young is good and old is bad.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Independent is good and dependent is bad, right? Fast is good and slow is bad. So as we move toward those qualities, this self-loathing comes up, and the inner ages kicks in. And if we don't know how to work with that unconscious part of ourselves, then we don't thrive. We don't find the incredible potential, the treasures of this stage of life.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, that we we don't acknowledge that that there are treasures in this part of life, and there are obstacles. Uh, but there, there, there are a lot of obstacles. So how, how do you, uh, when when you're when you're dealing with someone and you detect this inner ageism, how do you confront that? How do you get people to confront that and, and get them to think about, um, you know, this issue?
2: Well, in that in that chapter, I describe how to recognize when you have an inner voice that's mm-hmm. critical of yourself. You can recognize your inner dialogue. You can recognize the feelings that go with it and the bodily sensations that go with it. And then you can say to yourself, that's my inner ageist. That's not really who I am. Mm -hmm. That's a part of me that I internalized from the ageist culture. And it's really bringing me down now. So if I continue to listen to the inner ageist, I know what the consequences are, right? I'm going, right. To, I'm going to project, I'm going to be my own target of ageism. I'm going to project that stereotype onto myself. And so you have a choice then about how to work with that, how to do shadow work and work with that part and really get free of it, so that you feel the self respect that you deserve, so that you feel the value for who you really are,
1: yeah, we can uh you no know, we're coming up with a uh, to a break, uh but there's a lot more to talk about here um and uh we are going to talk about that and how to work with these issues and how to repair them, how to uh basically make changes um so folks uh uh, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be talking much more with shadow expert, Donnie, Dr. Connie Zweig. So don't go anywhere.
4: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Boroughs and burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, We press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future.
2: That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. Because everyone can make money in real estate.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Dr. Connie Zweig, a pioneer in the field of shadow work, the author of a collection of books including Meeting the Shadow, Romancing the Shadow, and meeting the shadow in the spiritual path, as well as the inner work of age, shifting from old to soul. So before the break, we were talking to Connie about ageism, particularly inner ageism, um, as well as uh, ageism from the outside. Um, And one of the things I wanted to pick up from that um, is that just the recognition that, and we we started talking earlier about um, sort of midlife issues versus later life issues. And while um, my show is 45 forward, uh, it really is about just you know taking a pause as we uh, head toward the middle of life thinking about that later part of life how are we going to live this life of in, uh, uh, increased longevity um so I want to talk about this stage of life a little bit and and you, you mentioned that it's, it's there are crises, but it's not the same as a midlife crisis. So, so talk about this stage a little bit. I think, and I think people are even starting to talk about it. You know, in terms of Erickson's, you know, eight, eight stages of life. Then, wait a minute. There's a there's a ninth stage here that's really different in profound ways. So, talk about why it's different.
2: So, it seems to me in the midlife crisis. What we tend to do is switch out our careers or our spouses or our locations, right? Mm -hmm. We make a change from the outside in. Often that can't happen in the late life identity crisis. It's not about changing careers or roles or or living situations. So the, the question becomes, who am I now? Rather than what do I want to do now, who am I now? And who am I is the perennial existential question in all religious and spiritual traditions. Mm -hmm. And it can't be fixed by an outer uh, solution. It's not a problem to be fixed in that way. It's It's a question to be contemplated, to be lived through. So who am I now? For example, um, when I interviewed people, I found many different responses to this. For some people, it was about grandparenting and leaving a legacy for future generations. Right. For other people, it was about um, finding a spiritual or religious practice and moving their identity from their role, what they did at work, I was a CEO to who I am now, mm-hmm. and who I am now might be my Buddha nature, my Christ nature, my um, divine self, my a, a soul on a journey. One woman called it that which lives and breathes through everything. So, how do we shift our identity? in later life, from what we do to who we are. And I'm not prescribing to people who you are. I'm suggesting this is your time to really contemplate this. And and you might find it in your affiliation with a lineage, and you may not. So um, most of the world's traditions say that this is the time of life for contemplative practice, Hmm. right? Some send people to the monastery, some send people to um, meditation or prayer or um, some kind of other practice, right? Some kind of community, church, synagogue. But whatever your decision about that, the point is that this question, who am I? If you allow it to arise, that's the call for this stage of life. And aging can be a spiritual practice. If you learn how to use the circumstances of your age for spiritual practice, say retirement, moving from the doer, which is what I call a shadow character, the doer, into your spiritual identity, Or the caregiver, and not falling into that as another role, but really shifting to your spiritual identity as you do your caregiving. Or activism or volunteering, not falling into that identity as a role, I'm an activist now, but moving into your spiritual identity as you do your social justice work. So this is not about doing more or doing less, or it's not about what you do. It's about the quality of awareness that you bring to the doing, Mm -hmm. the quality of awareness as you shift from role to soul. So, for example, if I do my activism now, as I did in my midlife heroic years when I was much more angry, it's not going to be so satisfying now. I can do it more now out of knowing the limitations, feeling my grief, feeling my connection to humanity, feeling um, you know, my own shadow issues. And so it's a different quality of awareness. We could call it an elder's quality of awareness. Right. That right. I bring to the to the activism now. And that's really for me what the identity crisis is about.
1: Yeah. So one of your chapters talks about from hero to elder. And I like that way that you put it. So uh, explain that a little bit, expand on, 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 on this notion of what an, being an elder means.
2: Well, we've all lived these heroic journeys, you know, whether we raised families or had careers um, or traveled or, you um, you know, had successful marriages or whatever it is we did, there's some quality of heroism to it, build businesses. And um, Carl Jung said an interesting thing. He said, the, there's a difference between the meaning of the morning of life and the meaning of the afternoon of life. Hmm. But if we only carry forward the meaning of the morning, then there will be damage to the soul. So if we continue to act in a heroic way with heroic motives, a big drive for success, a big drive for fame or money, then there is damage to the soul in our later life because that's not really the purpose of this time. So what does it mean to become an elder? Well, we all get our Medicare cards at Mm. 65, right? And we become a senior. Right. But a senior is not an elder, right? A senior Mm -hmm. is is about age from the outside in. But an elder is about development from the inside out. How do we develop the qualities of an elder? So from my point of view, some of it is about (laughs) connecting to something larger than the ego. We spoke earlier about the ego's development. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And the ego really kind of runs our lives through the heroic times. But as we become elders, we want to connect with something larger than the ego. And we also want to connect with the shadow, the deep interiority that's been leading us around by the nose Mm -hmm. outside of our awareness, right? And we want to begin to cultivate shadow awareness, And we also want to open up to mortality awareness. So I really, I don't see people as elders if they're denying their own death. I have someone who said to me, I'm 89, but I don't want to be with those old people. I'm not like them. (laughs) Right?
1: Right. So
2: the, the denial of our mortality means we haven't stepped into the nobility of the elder archetype yet. So the elder archetype has been valued in indigenous cultures around the world, but in our, you know, postmodern, high-tech, mainstream culture, because of all the ageism we spoke about, mm-hmm. it's not been valued. And there's no rite of passage to become an elder. Mm. There's no, nothing set up in the culture for us to step across that threshold. Right. Right. You don't, and yeah. So um, I, I wrote the book so that it's a kind of a rite of passage. As you go through each chapter, each one ends with a series of practices. So you mm-hmm. have an experiential component and you go through and you learn. <laughs> what are the calls to conscious aging?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what, how do you do a life review Right. Really distill the lessons from your life. How do you do life repair, forgive, and receive forgiveness with people, and resolve traumatic experience? How do you do spiritual repair, and really um, connect to spirit or whatever you call it—something larger than yourself? Right. How do you do conscious retirement? so that you really step into this new stage of life. How do you deal with illness in a way that, it's, um, <clears throat> that it opens you up to your depths and your deeper identity? So there's this kind of step-by-step rite of passage to lead you to become an elder. And there are a number of interviews with elders from different communities, Father Thomas Keating, philosopher Ken Wilbur um Krishna Das who's a chant teacher um Rabbi Rami Shapiro um and so you learn from them how they are also walking this talk into mm-hmm. late life
1: yeah what you know, going to uh, I do want to touch on this life review and life repair because what what that really said to me in addition to the other steps that you're talking about is just points out that this is this is a continually dynamic part of life. I think one of the, you know, the uh, misconceptions or, or or ages knows is like here we are we here we are we've arrived at old age, um and it's it, it's you're older but even as you're older you're continually to change and you are changing who you are and how you think about things. So as you talk about you know life review and life repair. Um, you know, I, I, thought that was a compelling chapter about, you know, reviewing the life you lived and, and didn't live, you know, and, and, you know, re so you literally become a, a different person, even as, as you're getting older, you're not the, um, changing from your, your younger self, but you're continuing to evolve. And I think that's an important thing. We look at, you know, older age as a static, like stop, right?
2: Yes. It's not a stop especially if we intentionally want to continue to develop, which I think is part of being an elder. You know, Rosalind Carter died this week in her 90s. Right. She continued all through her later life with her passion projects, with her charities. I think that there's this, I think that in some ways that stereotype of the decline narrative is breaking down as more and more Mm. people model this new longevity in really creative ways. I mean look at Jane Fonda and her climate activism now or um Nancy Pelosi and President Biden or um so we we see what's happening how productive and creative people can be. And I think it's breaking down some of those stereotypes and fears.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. And and I think that um, I, I particularly like the way you put it, you know, in terms of the treasures of late life, you mm-hmm. know, that we look at it in those terms. And so talk a little bit about some of those treasures. I I, I was just writing them down as I was reading the book, releasing the past, cultivating genuine acceptance of who we are, finding a deeper view of our life stories, creating a quieter mind. I think those are opportunities that we often overlook. Um, and, uh they're there, you know, I mean, I, it's interesting that I, we, we, we got a uh, recently, we, you know, for (laughs) not really thinking this through at my age, but we got a a golden retriever puppy and being able to um, enjoy a puppy at this stage and and look at life through the eyes of a puppy, but, but also just being able to stop and, and watch her watches she looks at the world and even as we go on walks um seeing the traffic zoom by and i'm looking where are you going why are you in such a hurry <laughs> mm-hmm. you know slow down slow down you know
2: uh, everybody's in a rush i think people have that experience with their grandkids that you mm-hmm. have your puppy too you know the innocence the curiosity the playfulness it's very precious to, um, for the elder to align with youthfulness. It's there's a beautiful match there, and you know, as a depth psychologist, I learn about archetypes. So we all have heard of the inner child. The inner elder is also an archetype that's in all of us, and it can be brought out by being with kids and pets. And, and kind of, and mentoring as well. There's a lot of intergenerational work going on now for this reason.
1: Right. And I think that, um, you know, you, you do start seeing these um, parallels, which are right in front of you, which is that be present. It enables you to be present in, in, and really look at what your life is now and what, what's around you, uh, what you're experiencing, Um uh, you know, not that you're not planning for certain things, uh, the completion of life, but um, but but to, to appreciate um, that you know I, I, you know I guess it goes back to a lot of your meditative practices, you know, being able to to be present in, in where you are right right now. Um,
2: well, I think a lot of the practices in the book that help us to release the past and be here now, are really precious for that reason. And they also can help us to release the anxiety about the future and come to terms with the fact that we have a shorter time horizon now. Our lives will end. And whatever we believe about life after death isn't the point. It's not about um, metaphysics here. It's about the point that you know my conniness will end. And how do I want that to happen? What is life completion for me? What will I regret if I don't say that or do that now? You know, and how can I take care of that so that I don't die with regret? What kind of forgiveness needs to happen or what kind of activity needs to happen for me to die in peace? And that's a really important question for us
1: now. Right? So we're going to pick up on this. We need to take another quick break, folks. Um, It'll be a short one, though. And when we come back, there'll be much more to talk about um, with Dr. Connie Zweig in our last segment uh, with the shadow expert. So don't go anywhere.
4: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
0: self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics
4: it's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health wealth and happiness are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts then tune in to the forbes factor with celebrity tv host keynote speaker and inspirational icon forbes riley
0: now back to 45 forward
1: welcome back folks we're here talking today with shadow expert Dr Connie's white about her various books about shadow her shadow work including her last one we were talking about quite a bit about uh, the uh, uh, the, the extending the shadow work to our aging process. Um, so, uh, before we uh, we will of a little bit of time at the end to find you so you can find out much more about Connie's working, where you can find out about what she's doing, how to get in touch with her, and so forth. Uh, before that, though, I just wanted to complete our um discussion of uh, of uh, some of her chapters. Uh, and one of them, uh, not surprisingly, is Life Completion, so sort of moving toward a completed life. And reimagining death as a last right. So, you talk a little bit about you know rituals, the importance of rituals in life. Um, so, expand on that a little bit more, you know, as we head toward the completion of life, as we know it or don't.
2: Okay. okay. Um. Well, I know that kind of idea is often foreign and scary for people to consider life completion. Many people think they'll live forever. Right. Um, there's a sense of um, when I interviewed people about this question, what would be a completed life for you, there was really a range of responses from people. And I think that some of that depends on um, how much they've lived out their own talents and their own dreams, how much they feel they've given, they've contributed um, in, you know, as much as possible, how how happy they feel with their family lives, um, their legacy in the family or to society. Um So I think the contemplation about life completion is, um, for me, I felt at, with my life review, I saw that what I thought was four distinct careers all actually had the same mission, Mm. which was to transmit information about consciousness. Mm -hmm. And um, it looked very different, but when I saw that that was the thread throughout my life, there was something deeply satisfying about that. And so when I finished my last book, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, I felt a kind of life completion. Mm. I felt like my gifts have been given. Um, I've been really blessed. I've been, and and I feel a lot of gratitude. I also feel deeply disturbed and a lot of grief about where the world is at mm. with all of the crises that we're facing. But in terms of my individual life, um I feel a deep, meaningful satisfaction. And so I want that for other people. I want you to find a way to um, come to terms with the the road not taken, the unlived life, and accept, either reclaim some of that now. You know, like I have friends who are painting and sculpting and writing novels for the first time, and you can reclaim some of that or really come to terms with what is and how the choices you've made and um, and find peace with that now. So in terms of ritualizing it, um, I created a ritual for my retirement from clinical practice and I put that in the book. Um, and it really kind of embodied letting go, letting go of my roles and stepping across a threshold to become an elder. And you can design that kind of ritual that's about letting go of the past, stepping into the unknown, and emerging into this new stage of life. You can design a ritual with those three stages for anything, really. Mm -hmm. Um, For illness, for marriage, for grandchildren, for you know whatever it is that comes up for you as a desire to to create a ritual and those are the three main elements letting go stepping into the unknown and then stepping across a threshold into something new.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think that you know again you know the stereotype of of aging and th- there is some truth to it, of course is is loss. We focus on the loss. And there's no question. There's loss of friends, loss of family, but there is this other component, as you point out, of of letting go. And, and there's a it's a freeing aspect to really saying, well, l- let me let go of things that really weren't important, or and and focus on really who I am and what I want to do. Um, so it, it it can be freeing in lots of ways. Um, and uh, uh, I think again, it it's it's I think one of the treasures you mentioned, you know, that ability to to free yourself from um uh, the outside in and and shift to the inside out. Um, um, that said, I wanted to just ask you, um, this is sort of a big question, but you you did mention that, uh, yes you had a couple of lines I, I really stuck out of me, you know, we have years to life, but not life to years. So focusing on how we do that and that in order to do that, in some ways, we do need some. You mentioned some institutional innovation and policy support, um, but if we don't learn to age from the inside out, we won't fulfill our promise. We're true. Um, but true. Uh, but do you have some thoughts on on you know what what some of the I, I guess outside in support can be to help people age better? Because as you uh, another line, you you say, is aging is our next frontier," I think that's very true. I think that's very cogent and really says it. <laughs>
2: Well, this is happening all over the world. It's not only the baby boomers in the U.S. Many, many, many countries around the world um, are going to be having larger, older populations than younger. Birth Mm -hmm. rates are down and longevity is up. And so this is a global phenomenon that's going to last for a good while. And if we don't have some kind of a social justice movement along with the inner work, um, some kind of a movement to recognize the value of elders
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the voice, the contributions of elders uh, then we're going to be in more and more trouble, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that you know when I mean this is this was very true for me. I have gone through this learning curve. I didn't have any elder growing up in my life who I really could admire or internalize as a positive image of age. I didn't have that in my family, in my schools, in my media or anything. And so I recognized my inner ageist at a certain moment in my life that I wrote about and recognized that I had internalized all that ageism from society. And then I found the work of Becca Levy at Yale University who has shown over decades now that there are health consequences to the inner ageist. There are are cardiac issues, memory issues, even longevity issues. When we um, age through the lifespan, having negative thoughts and fears and feelings about aging. So that really shook me up and got me to do this work and research and writing about it. And I think that um, although my expertise is not about outer ageism and the social institutions, and certainly people who are oriented that way can turn to the work of Ashton Applewhite and her website, Old School, which is a clearinghouse for, for this topic and everybody who's working in this arena. Um, but outer work and inner work have to go hand in hand. Right. Right. It's- if it's only outer work, but we're not changing psychology, or only psychology, but we're not changing the institutions, we're going to fail at this. Right. So I think, um, and the conversation is very alive now because of President Biden's age and all the comments about it. So it's very up in the culture, I think, and all the people in their 80s in the government. Um and the failure to make the distinction between competence and age right i think is is really a key so um so i'm not an expert on that but i do feel it's so crucial it's so cross cultural it's so universal right now different cultures are actually treating this issue differently um i think one One really positive trend is all the intergenerational housing, intergenerational climate work, intergenerational projects that are coming up now. That's really fabulous. And people are learning. In fact, this week in Next Avenue, Mm -hmm. which is a publication, uh, free online magazine about age, there was an article about a woman talking about her 107-year-old best friend. So I think that this is, as that happens, people are exposed and their attitudes change and their fears lessen.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that uh, when people, uh, when I talk to people about this, um, certainly I one of the things I, I mentioned is what you mentioned earlier, is that uh, in some cases, demographics is destiny to a certain extent. As people, the population ages, people people will pay attention to these issues. And I think that, as more and more stories become commonplace um, uh, when people are routinely reaching hundred years old, my, my aunt is 101, I believe. And, and she's in a continuing care community with her daughter, but still painting, still engaging with people, with her grandchildren, great grandchildren on the internet. Um, so I, I think that those okay. stereotypes will break down, you know, and as, <laughs> as baby boomers realize, wait a minute, I'm a senior, you know, so called senior. But and I think even even as I mean, we talked before, that term will break down. I think you know, I think even um seniors say, Well, I'm just an older person, period, you know. Um, so um wow, uh we could have do a whole other show, Connie. But Ron
2: uh, Ron, how old is your aunt's daughter?
1: Well, she's in her um um mid seventies.
2: So she's in, so they're in assisted living together. Mm-hmm, right. That's I hadn't heard that before. That's yeah. an amazing story.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, and they're doing great. That's great. Too.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, well, so um, this was great. Um, well, listen, before we go, though, I wanted to at least uh, uh, mention to you folks, uh, uh, if you wanted to find out more about Connie, uh, uh, you can go to our website, right? Connie, Connie, Connie Zweig.com. Is that right?
2: You can go to Connie'swag.com. There are lots of videos there of interviews and lectures and workshops. Um, and also my my future events. Mm-hmm. I want to invite you, if you're interested in aging in community and would like to go through this book, The Inner Work of Age with Others, shoot me an email, ConnieZweig at gmail.com. C-O-N-N-I-E-Z-W-E-I-G at gmail.com. Put Wisdom Circle in the subject line and be sure to give me your time zone. And I will connect you with other people in your time zone for free leaderless online groups. There are many hundreds of them all over the world now of people reading and doing these practices together that are in the book and really building intimate friendships. It's been really, really Satisfying.
1: Right. And of course, your books are available pretty much everywhere books are sold, right? <laughs> That's
2: right. They're everywhere.
1: Right. So, meeting the shadow, romancing the shadow, meeting the shadow on the spiritual path, the inner work of age, shifting from role to soul. So, folks, um, uh, again, uh, I want to just thank uh, Connie for a terrific conversation. Uh, Tell your friends if they missed our conversation today, they can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com to search for my show, 45 Forward. You can find it on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or go to my website, roelresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab. Um, So if there are any questions for me, just uh, send me an email at ron.roel, R-O-E-L, at gmail.com. Uh, so, folks, uh, be sure to join me uh, next Monday, 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. When I'll be talking with Dawn Shedrick, the founder of Gentex Training and Consulting, whose mission is to provide resources and insights to help diverse caregivers care for themselves, better manage their mental health, and feel good about who they are and what they do. So, until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 Forward.
2: Thank you.